we thank you, Lord. We thank you for course corrections. Hallelujah. Adjustments and alignments through the light and the teaching of the Word of God. Thank you. We open our hearts to receive from you today, to be helped along our way, helped on our way. We thank you we're not on our own. We thank you we're laboring together with you. And so, of course, you're going to teach us about your labor. Thank you, Lord. Your yoke is easy. And we receive it. And your burden is light. Thank you for great grace upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Be friendly. Smile. Hug somebody. Give somebody some money. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? That's the wrong time to laugh. That's the wrong time to laugh. Think I'm joking. I'm not joking. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, Well, first of all, I want to say a big thanks to um, all of our helps teams. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's many of you. And I want to say a big thanks to everybody who participates who serves, who sows, who's a part. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a big team effort, and I really appreciate everybody that's helping out, everybody that's in their place, everybody that's using their faith, everybody that's accessing grace. I really, really, really appreciate it. Boy, I've got a lot of good stuff, I'll tell you that. I've got a lot of good stuff. But of course, no man can give another man revelation. So we have to believe God for things to come out and things to come out the right way. But I'll tell you what, I'm beyond loaded. And it's really good stuff, you know. It's uh, everything the Lord gives is good. Um, so, praise the Lord. Where to begin? Let me bring you back here Uh, In our Bible school here, School of the Harvest here, we focus a lot on, of course, the kingdom of God because we're born again into the kingdom. And um, probably a few years ago, we produced some outlines and some materials that we still refer to them often uh, regarding the kingdom of God. And I want to read something here, a statement regarding the kingdom. And those that are Bible school students will recognize these things, or those that are graduates. And the title of this section is, Man's Search is Over. Man's Search is Over. That the kingdom of God, the kingdom has everything. It has everything that mankind is looking for. And it's revealed through the word of the kingdom. Right? So this is not just the word of God, but it's the word of the kingdom. Right? We've come into the kingdom. We've been transferred from the, the, the authority of darkness, and we've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, right? So this kingdom is a reality, and it's, it's, it's in heaven, and it's in our hearts to the degree that we have revelation of kingdom ways, and to the degree that we're walking in those kingdom ways, then that kingdom manifests around us. Around us. So the kingdom has everything mankind is looking for and is revealed through the word of the kingdom. And then uh, just mentioned a few things that the word of the kingdom reveals. It reveals the king, right? Who is he and what his character and nature is. It reveals 
our right standing with the King, a revelation of righteousness. Love it. Amen? Love it. It reveals right standing with the King. The word of the kingdom reveals kingdom identity, who we really are in Christ as a new creation, kings and priests, sons of God, Abraham's seed, the body of Christ, on and on. Uh, the, the, uh, the word of the kingdom reveals kingdom assignment and purpose. It reveals that. That's a revelation. Your kingdom assignment and your kingdom purpose are a revelation. You won't know that except by revelation of the Holy Ghost through the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom, the word of God also reveals, this is it, kingdom opportunity. It's a revelation. Kingdom opportunity to work together with God. That's a revelation. The word of the kingdom reveals kingdom opportunity, responsibility, and reward. Mm. It's a revelation. It's a revelation that most, a lot of people don't have. The word of God reveals kingdom opportunity, kingdom responsibility, and kingdom reward. And so those are the things that uh, I think we're really getting into. And of course, it's meaty, right? Anytime you're going to talk about kingdom opportunity, kingdom responsibility, and kingdom then reward as a result of fulfilling faithfully kingdom opportunity and responsibility, it's meaty. So you ready to chew? Did you bring your, your chewing teeth today? All right, all babies, check, check the babies at the door, right? No, you can, you can handle it. There'll be something here for everybody. Are you sure you're ready for this? I mean, all right, I, I want to I read uh, Luke chapter 1, because this, this verse the Lord quickened to me as I was walking out the door of my house this morning. Because, again, when you get a revelation of God's will and plan and purpose, it's a killer for man's plans. Oh, my goodness. It's just a killer. It's just, a, it's just a, an exposer, belittler, humiliator of all that men would try to plan and do on his own. And so when you preach these things and you get into the will and the plan and the purpose of God, you almost feel like a killjoy. And, and, and again, it, when you preach the reality of God's plan, it's not that we're judging anybody in what they're doing. It might feel like somebody's judging you, but all we're doing is presenting to you the glorious kingdom opportunity that's available to us and available to everybody to work with God on the planet and to be a part of his family business. But in doing that, it really, really exposes our own plans. And so, again, as we preach these things, I'm not anybody's judge. Well, I take that back. I am my own judge. Because the Bible says if we'll judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. And so, again, um, the Lord's dealing, you know, really strongly with me about these things. And so, uh, uh, you know, if they seem serious, it's because uh, it's a very sober topic. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's serious. I, I read, if you haven't done it recently and I hadn't done it in a while, go and read the book, the end of the book of Revelation again. Just go and just, I challenge you, just go read it again. 
I mean, heaven is real. Eternal rewards are real. The lake of fire is real. Hell is real. There's people in hell right now. They're never going to get out. And eventually, hell and all that are in hell are going to be cast into the lake of fire. And um, so we're, we're not here for nothing. And the Lord didn't save us for nothing. I wrote these four words down. Save your Lord, King, and kingdom. Save your Lord, King, and kingdom. And the Lord said, you have to know the difference between Savior and Lord. Savior is a one-time decision. Savior has to do with what Jesus did for us on the cross as our Savior. Lord is uh, Jesus as master and supreme authority. And his lordship uh, is not a, is not a, a one-time decision, but it's, it's a lifetime pursuit. It's what he's calling us to. Lordship deals with what he's calling us to, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then king and kingdom, right? So I, I wrote this down. I want to share this. Pardon me if I, I feel, I'm all, if, if it seems like I'm all over the place, I'll settle into my thing here in just a minute, but I got so much, and um, I'm just trusting the Lord to bring it out, but here's a, here's a good one here, king and kingdom. Our mind has to be renewed to kingdom. The Lord is not just a king, he's the king, and the kingdom of God is not a democracy, so our minds have to be renewed to that. The kingdom of God is not a democracy, meaning we don't vote. All right, listen to this. The Lord doesn't consult with us. He doesn't consult with us in making his plans. However, he will confide in us regarding those plans that he's already made to the degree that we fear him and reverence him and respect him for the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, reverence him, and respect what he wants to do. Savior, Lord, King, and Kingdom. But go over to Luke now. I told you to go there. Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. And this is the verse that came up in me as I was walking out the door because I was thinking, but this stuff is, this stuff is insulting to man's plans. You know, and I, I like to be a friendly guy, regardless of what you might think. And Luke, Luke, I mean, in other words, I'm not trying to get into anybody's business. You do what you want to do. It's your life. But, you know, the Lord wants to make sure we have, the, we have truth and that we have information we need that will empower us to make the right decisions that we need to make going forward that will pay rich, rich dividends, not only in this life, but then ages and ages to come. That's heavy, all right? That's heavy with a laugh. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says, he will also go before him, and in the spirit and power of Elijah, it's talking about John the Baptist, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So the Lord is giving us, he's turning us to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so the Lord was saying, that's what this is all about. 
you know, this, of course, this is written uh, in reference to his first coming, a people prepared for the Lord, and that was the ministry of John the Baptist. But uh, also Jesus is coming again. And so, of course, he's making ready a people prepared for his second coming. And so, of course, he's going to be helping us a lot because we need a lot of help. <laughs> Amen. Are we friendly today? Okay. All right. So um, let's go over to, uh, to Revelation chapter 22. Remember, we've been talking about boundaries and limitations, right? And, and we said this, that it's, it's, it's dangerous and actually delusional to try to believe beyond the boundary of God's calling, design, and assignment for your life. Right, we found out that like the, the devil's the original, Lucifer was the original boundary breaker, and uh, he had a declaration. We believe in declarations here, right? I would declare, declare. Well, Satan had his own declaration. It was a delusional declaration. And of course, he is the spirit of pride, and pride orig originated with him, and he said, you know, I will ascend to the heavens. I will... Uh, exalt my throne above the clouds. I will be like the most high God. I will, I will, I will. And we know this. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning from, uh, lightning, like lightning from heaven. So he fell and he was cast down. Okay? And so now we know this, that he's the spirit of the world. 2 Corinthians 4 and chapter 4 says this, that he is the spirit of the world. And we know this, 1 John chapter 5 says this, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Right? And we know this, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, don't conform to the world, or as the Phillips translation says, it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Right? So Satan, as the god of this world, you know, it's no wonder that everybody in the world is doing their own thing. It's no wonder because everybody's operating under the sway of the wicked one, and he is the spirit of lawlessness. He is the spirit of no boundary. And um, are you in Revelation? Good, good. We're going to get there, I promise. Go over to 2 Thessalonians. Because, uh, so with this boundary thing, you, you can't just do whatever you believe you can do. Right? That's why we don't want to tell our young people, you know, we don't want to tell our kids, our young people, and I'm not going to tell you, you can be anything you want in life. You can do anything you set your mind to do in life, yeah? And you can also go to hell if you want. Right? So that's, 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 not, that's not true, and it's secular. It's not, even, it's not even based on the Bible. No, Psalm chapter 16 from the NIV, we won't turn there, but it says, um, Lord, you are my portion, you maintain my lot, and uh, the boundary lines, you've established boundary lines for me, and the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. 
right? So God has, has ordained boundary lines for our lives. Of course, all things are possible to those who believe, but it's vain to try to believe out beyond God's call and design and His place and His purpose for your life. But, but, but don't get me wrong, the spirit of the world, for sure, He's operating in all the world with the idea that, hey, anything goes. Well, what's wrong with you, killjoy? And again, we're not judging anybody else, but we're announcing to the world the reality of God's plan. And that plan begins by accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, that there is no other way to get to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. So look over at Thessalonians. Everybody say there are boundaries, right? There's boundaries, right? There's boundaries for our lives. And we know this, that those boundaries are established for our own protection. And there's supply within those boundaries. And there's victory within those boundaries, right? I mean, think about this. The devil in Genesis chapter 3, he came to Eve, and what did he do? He promised her greater freedom. You can be wise all by yourself. And what she do? He offered her greater freedom by stepping out of the boundary that God had established. Did she find greater freedom? No, she found greater insecurity. They knew they were naked, and now they're doing everything to try to cover themselves. So again, we're, we're exposing again the spirit of the world, and I hit the, the Lord hit the bullseye for me, Thessalonians, and he showed me exactly what this is. Second Thessalonians, we know this, it's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. That's Mark chapter 4, that's Matthew chapter 13. It's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then if you read through the scriptures, it talks about different mysteries. It talks about uh, the mystery of, of Israel being in uh, Romans chapter 11, being you know, cut off so that we can be grafted in. It talks about the mystery of the rapture. It talks about the mystery of the gospel. It talks about the mystery of, of, of uh, Christ and the church. It talks about the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's different mysteries that the scripture talks about, but then there's another mystery. And it's here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's begin in verse... Three, it says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Look at verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Right? It's been given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. This is one mystery that's given to us to know and to understand. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the amplified version. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness, check this out, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority is already at work in the world. 
the mystery of lawlessness. And the Lord was saying, that's what I'm exposing. That's what I'm revealing. It's one of the mysteries given to you to know and to understand, is to know and to understand the mystery of lawlessness, which is what? The hidden principle. Everybody say hidden principle. So most of the world operates according to it. They don't even know because it's hidden. Most of the church doesn't even know because it's not preached. That hidden principle, what? The hidden principle of what? Rebellion against constituted authority. Of course, that constituted authority begins with the authority of God and His plan and His purpose, but then also it, it, it carries down to God's delegated authority and His choices. And the more I see this, the more I am not interested in being on the wrong side of authority ever. Not in word, not in mind, not in attitude, not in heart. I'm not going to yield to this spirit. I'm not going to yield to it. The other day, I was, uh, I was with um, a friend of mine, um, a guy who I've been sharing the gospel with for a long time. I mean, he's not, he's not born again. And um, I was with him, and uh, something came up about the president. And, of course, he's got strong feelings and opinions. And he went on and on and on and on and, and you know, said some things, whatever. That, that's, that's his business. That's his opinion. And I didn't enter in. I didn't say anything. I mean, I, because I pray for the president. And you cannot pray for the president and then speak against the president. It's just, it's just impossible. So anybody who speaks against the president, they just revealed the fact that they don't pray for the president. The, the two do not go together. So... He went on and on and on. And of course, you know, so I was quiet. And I'm just quiet, whatever. I kind of look around, look the other way, you know. And he's argumentative, and I don't want to get into an argument with him. So I think I said something like this, just to try to, you know, whatever, just enter in a little bit. I said, well, I said, yeah. I said, I, said, I guess he does have some rough edges. The president has some rough edges. And the Lord's like, why can't you just shut your mouth? Why, why, you, got to, why you got to say that? You dishonor, you're dishonorable. Rebellious and dishonorable. And the Lord said, hey, he's my choice. What if I saw things in him that I like? And that's why I put him in the job. Because the things I saw in him, I like that he would do that would help in my purposes. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. And I was doing it to try to just, you know, just be friendly. And because of that dull, aching silence of not saying anything. So, you know, I repented a little bit right there, but then I got home and I said, I'm sorry, I repent. That's wrong. Do I have any friends here? Listen, I'm just telling you, you want to avoid this. Put it up on the screen again. What is it? That hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority. The Lord doesn't choose perfect people. 
He chooses those he wants. That's right. He's the king. He can choose who he wants. He chooses who he wants. Who are we to criticize his choice? To criticize his, those he chooses is to criticize the chooser. And I'm not going to criticize the chooser anymore. I don't, I'm just not going to get involved in this anymore. Not in any way. I'm going to pray for leaders and those that are in authority. Praise the Lord. So, the mystery, he was talking about revealing to me, the mystery of lawlessness is being revealed. All right, so let's go back to Revelation now, chapter 22. Just want to open that up. Let's read, I want to go back, pardon me, let's go back and read this whole 2 Thessalonians. I don't want to miss the good stuff here. For the mystery of lawlessness, chapter 2, verse 7, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so. He's talking about the church restraining until he is taken out of the way. All right? So, so the remedy for the spirit of lawlessness, and what's the root of this spirit? The root of the spirit is... is Adam's rebellion, and it can only be remedied by Jesus' obedience and perfect submission. And through Jesus' perfect obedience and submission, He's given us the authority. We have the authority back again. Jesus has all the authority, and that authority has been delegated to His body, but that authority will only be functional to the degree of our submission to His victory and our submission to the known will of God. We cannot, we, cannot, uh, uh, we cannot disobey authority, rebel against authority, and expect to be in authority in our own lives. Right? The mark of a truth authority is somebody who's also under authority. There's no such thing as one authorized, because man doesn't have authority on his own. God is the, the he has instituted all authority. There's no such thing as anybody who has authority on their own. For example, even when the devil came to, to Eve in the garden and he said, hey, if you eat this fruit, this, uh, this, the fruit of this tree will make you wise. In other words, you can be wise on your own. And, uh, and as, as if uh, Eve is thinking, hey, I'm going to have my own wisdom. But there is no such thing as man's wisdom. What he was offering her was the devil's wisdom. James chapter 3 tells us, teaches us about that wisdom. There's heavenly wisdom and there's wisdom that's earthly, sensual, and demonic. So the lie of the devil is you can be smart all by yourself. You can do it all by yourself. You can have your own thoughts. In, in fact, you can even have your own religion. Let's read on. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So again, notice this, that the lawless one, Satan, also has power, signs, and lying wonders. 
That's why we don't want to just be so excited about manifestations. Because he has power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, notice this, because they didn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Right? And so why did these people fall prey to his deception? Because they don't love the truth. But they didn't receive the love of the truth. So when I read that, you know what I say? I receive the love of the truth. I humble myself. I might not like it, but if it's the truth, I receive the love of the truth. If I'm wrong, then tell me I'm wrong. No problem with that, but I receive the love of the truth. Because to not receive the love of the truth, there's nothing left but a lie. And if a lie is there, you, then you know that the author is there, the father of lies is there. And if the father of lies is there, you don't want it. It's going to steal, it's going to kill, and it's going to destroy. It's going to take something from your life, not add something to your life. So we love the truth, amen? Right, this is, this is part of our protection against this spirit of lawlessness is we love the truth. Amen. Do I have any friends? I need a strong amen right now. Amen. I need a real strong amen. We love the truth. Amen. Right? Even if it confronts culture. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. Even if it confronts culture, yeah. family, what we believe. Yeah. But it's not family first. It's kingdom first. Amen? Yeah. We love the truth. And then also, we've got some protection. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Yes. <laughs> so the only way we can be deceived is if we're willing to lie to ourselves. So we humble ourselves. Verse 10, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they didn't receive, they didn't receive what? The love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who didn't believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Everybody say, we love the truth. We love it. We love it. We love the truth. We love the truth, right? 1 John chapter 2. And again, let me just say this again. The Lord's not looking for perfection. Because when you read this, the flesh wants to say, my gosh, nobody's perfect. This is not about perfection. This is about acknowledging and embracing the truth that you see. First John chapter 2. What are we doing? We're exposing, we're getting revelation of the spirit of lawlessness. First John chapter 2. You know why? So we can resist it. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Got to fight back. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. Right? Paul talks about when the squeeze was on. He said, I've, I've, I've got pressure all around me. I've been cast down. I've been forsaken. All of these things. I got the squeeze on me. And then he gave how to overcome that. And he said, we have the same spirit of faith. Amen. I believe, therefore I speak. Yes. Right? When you feel the squeeze. You know what? If you're not walking with God, you won't feel the squeeze. 
If you don't feel any squeeze, then you're not walking with the Lord. It means you're just walking with the world. But you start walking with God, you know what? You'll feel a squeeze. The world, the pressure of the world trying to squeeze you into its mold. But you know what? Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. We have the same spirit of faith. Amen. And that what you believe, that's why it's good to store up the word of God in your heart. Hear good preaching all the time. Confess the word all the time. Make deposits of the word of God in your heart all the time. Because when you need it, what you believe and what you speak, it'll push that pressure out of the way. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. But you got to fight back. You know, I've noticed in my life that the enemy always pushes me too far. He, you know, sometimes he just, he just, he'll just kind of mess with you a little bit, you know, a little thought here, a little thought there, and you kind of get quiet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Kind of just kind of get quiet about your life and, well, you know, just kind of get quiet. That's what he wants. He wants you to be quiet. But then he's stupid. And why he's stupid? He keeps putting on the pressure. And the problem is he pressures so much that he gets me to tap into my heart. And I'm like, what is this? And then I tap, I'm going to tap in here. Suddenly the word starts coming out. And then what? You submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from you. The devil's defeated, but there is pressure. Right? Mark chapter 4 teaches us about that, right? The sower sows the word. The enemy comes to steal the word, right? Tribulation, persecution for the word's sake. What's that tribulation? That's pressure from the five physical senses. But the word on the inside of you is greater. It is written. It is written. It is written is greater. Amen? Got to fight back. Everybody say, fight back. So we have to fight back against rebellion. Fight back. Refuse to enter in. Daily pray. 1 Timothy 2. Daily pray for leaders and those that are in authority. And as we said before, if I go to 1 Timothy 2, if I don't have a leader to pray for, something's wrong. What's wrong with me? Oh, I'm so special. I don't have a leader to pray for. I'm too special. Nobody is that special. You've got a leader to pray for. If you don't, something's wrong. Amen. We're having a good time today, aren't we? I feel like knocking this pulpit over right now. Praise God. All right. Where are we? First John 2. Thank you. Let's go to First John 2. All right, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Right? Satan's the God of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that's in the world, three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, right? And these are the exact same th- three things that he came to Eve with. Right? She saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, right? Uh, That's lust of the flesh, that it uh, looked good to her eyes, lust of the eyes, and it was a tree desirable to make one wise. That's the pride of life. What's the pride of life? You can be wise all by yourself. But how many of you know you cannot be wise all by yourself? 
Okay, go right here, 1 John chapter 2. Hold your place here. We're going to come right back and go over to... Ding, ding, da, ding. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. It says, now to the king... Who? The king... To the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise. He alone is wise. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Book of Jude, verse 25. Jude, verse 25. It says, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it'll be given to him. Why do we have to ask God for wisdom? Because we ain't wise by ourselves. We're not wise by ourselves. So again, the spirit of lawlessness came to Eve, and he said to her, he said, hey, if you, if you step out of bounds, out of the boundary that God has established, you can be wise all by yourself. But he wasn't offering her her own wisdom. He was offering her his wisdom, right? You're there in James. Go over to James chapter 3. We'll get back to 1 John 2. I didn't forget. James chapter 3. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of real wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and what? Self-seeking, right? The margin of my Bible says selfish ambition. In your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic, right? This is the wisdom that the devil was offering Eve in the garden, not a heavenly wisdom, but an earthly wisdom, his wisdom. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there, right? And so what's the byproduct of the devil's wisdom? What? Confusion and every evil work. Confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. All right, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. All right, hold your place right there because I'm not done yet. Go over to Proverbs chapter 1. I want to just want to drive this point home here. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, then go over to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? So education is not the beginning of wisdom. Lord, have mercy. Education is not the beginning of wisdom. Education is not the beginning of real knowledge. No. Man cannot be wise on his own. 
No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Acknowledgement of the Creator is the beginning of wisdom. Acknowledgement of His plan and His boundaries and what He's ordained us to be is the beginning of wisdom. What did, what did Satan offer Eve? Come on out here on your own. You can have your own wisdom. It was not her own wisdom. It was the devil's wisdom. You know, sometimes men think they're really smart that they have their own ideas. Men who have their own ideas apart from the Lord's mind, they have the devil's ideas. Man was never created to exist on his own. Man was always created to exist having an overlord over him. So when we step out from under God's authority, we think we're on our own, we're wise by ourselves. I'm a, you know, I've got free thought, I can think for myself. Yeah, you can also, you can also go to hell. And you can also be defeated. And you can also live outside of God's best. All right, let's continue. Verse 18, little children, it is the last hour and as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. They went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Verse 20, but you have an anointing. Right? So this is part of our equipment. Boy, I'll tell you what. I know you think you know this already, and I know you've, I've said this before, but don't underestimate this one. This one's really big time. You're going to need this. You're gonna, you, you know what? This is our protection against deception is. You know what deception is? Deception is, oh, it looks good, but it's not good. Yeah. Meaning you're going to need it. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And then I like verse 21. He said, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth. You're not a dummy but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, he doesn't have the Father either. But he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Well, nobody's perfect. Nah, we're not talking about nobody's perfect here. We're talking about acknowledging the Son. Verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He's promised us, eternal life. Verse 26, these things, notice this, I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but there's something greater than those who try to deceive you. If you'll pay attention to it, and if you'll have faith in it, Amen. the anointing. Yes. The anointing which you have received from him, where is it? Abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And what? It's true. And not a lie. And just as it's taught him, as it's taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence 
and not be ashamed before him at his coming. All right. So back to where I was here. Praise the Lord. So um, let's go to Revelation now. That's where we started, right? Yeah, I know. Revelation chapter 22. And I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, why, why are we on this stuff? Why am I preaching this stuff? And then the Lord brought me here, Revelation 22 and verse 12. He said, and behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. What are we talking about? Kingdom opportunity, kingdom responsibility, and kingdom reward. There are real rewards for people who faithfully carry out their portion of God's business in the earth. But we can't do that if we yield to the spirit of lawlessness, being arrogant enough to think we can make our own plans when God has a heavenly design for our lives. Right? James teaches us about the arrogance of the man who says, what will I do? Well, go here, go to this city, buy and sell, make a profit. And the Lord said, you're arrogant. All such boasting is arrogant. Instead, you ought to say, hey, what does the Lord want me to do? Do I have any friends here today? I know it doesn't apply to anybody here. I know it doesn't. I know it applies to everybody here, actually. <laughs> Just sit quietly and just everything will be all right, all right? <laughs> Revelation 22, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And when I read this, the word his work stood out. The Lord is coming quickly, and he's coming to give to everyone according to his work. Brother Joe, you have your work. Sister so-and-so, you have your work. Brother Don, you have your work, you have your assignment, and the Lord will reward you according to your work. He's not going to reward you according to somebody else's work. That's why to compare ourselves with ourselves is not wise. It's not wise to compare your church with somebody else's church. It's not wise to compare your ministry with somebody else's ministry. It's not wise to compare your life with somebody else's life. No. What is the measure? We learned about this last week. What is the measure that we use? We use, we measure ourselves against the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What do we measure ourselves against? We measure ourselves against what? Our call, our purpose, God's design for our life. We measure ourselves against that. The high call of God in Christ Jesus. So when I read this, you know, and all of this, I just realize, you know, I've, although I'm free to do whatever I want, you know, if I really want to do the will of God, I'm not free to do whatever I want. Paul said this. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not everything is profitable. All things are lawful for me, but he said, I'm not going to be mastered by any of them. How many of you know we don't want anything to master us? We don't want family to master us. We don't want internet to master us. We don't want food to master us. We don't want relationships to master us. We don't want anything to master us. All things are lawful, but not everything contributes to our purpose. 
I recently wrote down a few things, statements regarding my life, and one of them I wrote down was, I don't want to spend my time with people, doing things or with people that don't contribute to my purpose or are not part of my purpose. Right? There's kingdom business to do. Praise the Lord. Now, a lot of the things I'm sharing with you, I've already had some time to work through them, so it's a little bit easier for me to digest. I understand you're digesting. (laughs) Behold, I'm coming quickly, and what? My reward is with me. What's reward? My pay, my wages, my salary, my recompense for service. The word especially describes divine rewards. To give to everyone what? According to his work. Now we understand why Jesus said, hey, why you call me Lord, Lord? Why you call me master, master, but you don't even do what I say? Hey, he's like, hey, what's up with that? Calling me Lord, Lord, which means master, master. If I'm master, then why don't you do what I say? Right? We don't want to try to use Bible principles for our own purposes. So how, ma- how many times have I seen this? I've seen this more than, more than once. I've seen this a few times over the years. Where people hear about prosperity, they hear about God's will is to prosper them, God's will is for them to have money, God's will is just, and then because they know that they have a right to prosperity and wealth, then an opportunity comes, and just because of the money, they take it and they justify it in the name of prosperity. That's why you got to preach prosperity and the plan. True prosperity is not true. I'm not just saying this. We're not trying to hold anybody captive. True prosperity is not in your own plan. True prosperity is in the will of God. So yes, we have a right to prosper. Yes, prosperity is the will of God for us. But where do we find it? We find it in the will of God. Right? So we don't want to just make declarations, make declarations. Take, we want to go deeper and go to the will of God. Right? God is a great planner, and there is abundance in His plans. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I know it's a lot. Goodness gracious. I know it's a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know what? Time's short. And God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers what? To shape up the church for the equipping of the saints, right? For the training of an army. Right? If you... If you uh, if you enter the army, you know what? If you're, if you're fat, out of shape, undisciplined, it's not the army's fault. It's not the army's fault. And you better believe you're going to have a wake-up call when you enter the army. Right. 
Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You want more? Yes. Verse 5, who is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one, all right? So we don't want to make too much about the minister, right? We don't want to have minister worship because the reality is who is Paul? Well, even with all that anointing, who is he? He's a, a servant through him you believed. Who's Apollos with all that anointing and all that grace and all that gifting? He's a minister, a servant through whom you believed. Give, give Paul and Apollos the honor due them. Without honor, they won't be able to serve you properly. But nonetheless, don't worship them. Worship the Lord. Amen? You know, one thing I wanted to say that I, I wrote down here is that in all of this, I feel like the Lord is recruiting He's calling and he's recruiting. But I just want to make it clear. We're not, I'm, I'm not recruiting people to come to me. We're recruiting people to go to him. We're recruiting. God is calling and recruiting people to return to him. Return to him. Go back to him. Find out what he wants you to do. Look to him. Call to him. Return to him. Right? Sometimes we just get so comfortable in the church and so comfortable even being a part of this group. And listen, I'm not satisfied just because you're part of this group. No, no. My call is to get you to answer his call and return to him. He'll join you where he wants to join you. Right? We're not here just to follow people or to follow a man, right? You follow God. If you follow God, you'll be faithful to men. It's true. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know what? Things can just get messy sometimes. People kind of just settle in and they think it's just about a church or about a ministry. Nothing like that, no. My reward is based upon how you return and respond to him. If God's called you to be close with me, well, then that's part of the call and design of God. But God needs you in your place. Amen. And if we're humble, we'll say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. If we're humble, we'll say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen? Personalities that we're not trying to please people here. If you please the Lord, you know what? You'll please the right people. But you're never going to please everybody anyway. Please the Lord by following him, and you will please the right people. You will be a blessing to the right people. There is a heavenly blueprint. God is a great designer. He does have a plan. Amen? All right, who's Paul and who's Apollos? Well, they're servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but don't forget God, he gives the increase. Now, notice verse eight, now he who plants and he who waters are one. Paul and Apollos are on the same team. And each one will receive his own reward according to what? His own labor. Right? Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his own work. You've got your own work. You've got your own labor. Paul said, for we are God's fellow workers, but you are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation 
and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So he says here, he said, hey, be careful how you build. Be careful how you build. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what? Each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So again, um, you know, wisdom always has a view to the future. Did you know that? Wisdom always looks to the future. So through the word of God, if we're humble and we're wise, we can look to the future and we recognize that this day is coming. This is a real day. It's going to happen one day in our life where we're all going to stand before the Lord. Hold your place right here. We're going to come right back. Go to 2 Corinthians. So when I read all these verses, I ask myself, does it really matter what I do? <laughs> my flesh says, does it really matter what I do? And then I, my spirit says, yes, it really matters. Does it really matter what I do? Yes, it really matters what you do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let me just say this. Can I just say this? You will not always feel like doing the will of God. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you otherwise. You will not always feel like doing the will of God. If you wake up every day to feel how you feel, you won't even get out of bed. No, 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 no. Don't look to how you feel. And there are times when you absolutely take how you feel and stuff it. That's flesh. You stuff it and ignore it and deny it because you know the will of God and you go and you do the will of God no matter how you feel. That doesn't mean you have unbelief because you don't feel like doing it. Well, I just feel like the grace is lifted. The grace is lifted. The grace is lifted. There's no more grace here. The grace. <laughs> We're not led by grace lifting. Yeah. We're led by purpose. Yeah. And where you find purpose, you will find grace for the purpose. Yeah. See, the devil trick you through your senses. Well, you know, I guarantee you this. If you get offended, you won't sense any grace. Yeah. Well, the grace is lifted. The grace. No, you're offended, <laughs> dummy. I'm just trying to spare us so the devil doesn't knock you out of your place. Well, I just don't feel, it didn't, doesn't feel like there's grace here anymore. Grace. Give me a break. Grace, Kajan. I mean, come on. What the stink is that? Grace, my face. What are you talking about? Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, not by a feeling of grace. The grace is in the place. The grace is in the purpose. Right? God leads us in, and then we stay. Even when we don't feel like staying sometimes. We stay. 
And we don't go just because we don't feel like it doesn't feel. It just doesn't feel the same as it used to feel anymore. No, God led me in and he will lead me out. But I'm not going to be led out by just some grace. The grace is lifted. No more grace here. No more grace. No, the Bible says endure hardship as a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And we know this. General order number one for the U.S. Army is for all military personnel. General order for all in the Army is never leave your post. Never leave your post unless assigned. Dig, that's no, the grace, that's when you need to dig your heels down, honey, and go deeper. I'm not leaving here till the Lord sends me out. The Bible says, even if the leader rises against you, don't leave your post. Don't leave your post. And listen, I'm not here to tell you what your post is, but I'm here to tell you, you've got a post. I'm not here to tell you where you belong, but you belong somewhere. I'm not telling you to come here because not everybody belongs here. But wherever you belong, you go there and you stay there for your own sake. Don't yield to the spirit of lawlessness. That hidden, that hidden spirit, that hidden truth that causes people to despise authority, including beginning with the authority of God's voice and his plan and his purpose for our lives. Let's not yield to the sway of the wicked one. All the world lies under his sway. Let's not, let's not yield to his evil sway. Amen. God is not only father, right? But we're also, we're not only in the family of God, we're also in the army of the Lord. Right? We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. Right? This is a kingdom, right? We don't, we don't help God make the plans. We come to him and find out what the plans are. Can you say amen? amen. A lot of times you won't, you won't want to do it, but you do it anyway. And then there's grace. And you know what? On the other side of that not wanting to do it, you'll find some of your greatest fruit ever. I'm telling you, you'll find some of your greatest fruit ever when you don't feel like doing it, but you just decide to do it because you know it's the right thing to do. You'll find some of your greatest fruit right there. Right? The Bible says we're not of those who draw back. We are not of those who shrink back, right? But we press on for the, for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Does it matter what I do? Yes. Son, I'm like, Lord, does it really matter? Does it, it, it really matters. And the Lord says, hey, you want me to lie to you? No, Lord, don't lie to me. And he says, good, because I'd never lie to you anyway. Does it really matter? It really matters. It really matters. It really matters. Is there an accounting day? There's really an accounting day. Is hell real? Hell's real. Is the lake of fire real? Lake of fire is real. Are there people in it now? There's people in it now. Will they ever get out? They'll never get out. Why are you laughing? It's not funny. A wrong time to laugh. I, I don't know why people here do that. You laugh at the wrong time sometimes. It matters. We were born into the earth. We were born into conflict. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. And listen, guys, the Lord's not after perfection. We're all messed up. He's not after perfection. He's just after a willing heart, sincerity, and then obedience to do what you know he wants you to do. That's all. Right? Obedience is greater than sacrifice. The Lord doesn't care about all your sacrifices. He just wants you to obey. He wants you to go back to him and say, Lord, never mind all this. What do you want me to do? Never mind all the sacrifices. Well, I did this for the Lord and I did that. Be quiet. Hush. Well, nobody's perfect. Hush. Just do whatever he tells you to do. And you say amen. amen. It'll make your life easier. Second Corinthians chapter five, we'll take a break here, just a second. Verse six, so we're always confident knowing that while we're at home in the, in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, well-pleased to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the thing done in the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Look at verse uh, 10 in the Amplified. I'd like to see that. We must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So a look to the future, fast forward into the future, this day of the judgment seat of Christ is coming where uh, we will not be judged for our sin because Jesus was already judged for our sin, but we will be judged according to what we did with our purpose and what we did with uh, God's plan, our part of his plan and purpose that's on the earth. So we're all going to be there someday. And... Um, you know, when you get there, you know, I notice a lot of times here, especially in this culture, people like, sorry, sorry. You're not going to be able to go there and say, sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Sorry is okay. No, 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 no. Sorry actually doesn't mean anything. When people say sorry, I often want to know, you're sorry? What are you sorry for? In other words, tell me what you know that you did wrong that you're adjusting. But not just sorry. Sorry doesn't tell me anything. Sorry just means, I'm really sorry you're upset with me right now. And I don't like that you're upset with me. And it, it bothers me that you're upset with me. And I feel uncomfortable because you're upset with me, so sorry. <laughs> sorry doesn't mean anything. Anyway, that day is coming, and, uh, you know, I just want us all to be prepared for it. So let's have a 20-minute break.